out of tutors. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Hebeka. And this is Out of Tune. Wow, you guys. Back for episode number 26. Wow. We're getting really high up there, you guys. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. It's so exciting. It is really exciting. I'm like kind of proud of ourselves. Oh, of course. Not going to be selfish, I mean, at the beginning of the podcast, but. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Rebecca Clark. We've just had a bunch of like Rebecca's on the podcast. We had my mom, who's a Rebecca. We have Rebecca here. And then this week is Rebecca Clark, an amazing female musician and composer and Aaron a violist wow have we talked about a violist like like a, like a specific like they're a violist I don't think so I mean wow. like <laughs> our first violist yeah like it's taken us quite a bit <laughs> I mean that's kind of normal so that's yeah well I think we were inspired um for talking about Rebecca Clark today because of it was it a piece that I shared on one of the mini games is like the poem for string quartet and then for me that's what the reason was because she wasn't really on my radar until this week I don't remember either I was just thinking about her yeah it was funny actually Catherine mentioned her too on our coachings that could really that must have been it because it was 1919 was the year quartet was written and then Catherine and I have just been talking about Rebecca Clark and we have yeah so I think we all had Rebecca Clark on our heads for like different reasons yeah Wow. I For me, it was super random last week. I just like saw it and I'd never heard it before. I was like, oh, I'm going to put this on here because they won't get it. It was complete like sabotage on my part because <laughs> I wasn't familiar with the piece and I was like, they're probably not familiar with the piece, but it'll yeah, be also a really not. good education moment of like, wow, like Rebecca Clark has some great repertoire. Just, I mean, besides her amazing viola solo stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, also, can I just side note, every time I see her name, I want to say Hebecca. Like, I want yeah. to say Hebecca and not Rebecca. Okay, I have to say that every time you guys say Rebecca, I'm like, oh, that's not me. I remember. <laughs> oh, my God. On our coachings, when Catherine would mention her, I would, oh, yes, it's not me. <laughs> oh, my but then God. Catherine started calling Rebecca Becky. Becky. <laughs> oh, yes. Catherine calls you Becky? I have to remember that too. Sometimes she's like Becky, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's me. My, like my mom is really known by. I feel like by everyone as Becky, but she does not prefer it. But it's kind of like oh. it's one of those things. that's like too late, you know. Oh. As like, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not too late, mom, if you're listening. But like everyone calls her Becky, so oh. it's like a go. It's like well, because it's a sim like same we're getting off on track but like for me every time like I was in a new class in school it was like oh do you go by Victoria or Vicky I'm like why would I go by Vicky that's disgusting (laughs) so um anyway I think in each place that I lived or like each community I was called by a different uh, nickname I've heard Becca for you like some people call you Becca yeah I've heard Becky or Becca. Becca Why can't Catherine call you Becca? Like, why can't... He might be calling you Becca, and I just... 
don't remember. I think I she's don't. calling you Becca. You're way more of a Becca than a Becky, but like <laughs> Becky's so American to me. It's like American, uh, like next door girl, like girl next door named Becky. Like uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rebecca Clark. Here we go. Erin, do you want to like how do do you want to start? I mean, sure. yeah. Let's just jump right in. All right. <laughs> so she lived. <laughs> so she lived from 1886 to 1979. Side note, because everything in my life revolves around Shostakovich, I realized oh <laughs> she was born 20 years earlier than Shostakovich. Wow. Died wow. four years later. So the woman lived a long life. Wow. That spanned Shostakovich's life. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. I mean, it helps me, like, kind of in my head have, like, a visual timeline. Yeah. Because also in my life, I feel like I really know things about Shostakovich. Mm -hmm. Because why wouldn't you? He's amazing. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Going on. <laughs> she was born in England to a German mom and an American father. Yes. Later wrote about her dad as being, like, physically abusive he like yeah. he was kind of unfortunately like he was she started I think violin because of or he was like he was interested in music and that was kind of the reason why she started yeah. violin but he was also kind of the downfall of her studies yeah but yeah so the, like you said they were I mean I forget I think it's her website that says the word aristocratic they were an aristocratic yes. kind of family yeah um, and they really encouraged her to learn music. Um, and she was enrolled at the Royal Academy of Music in 1903 when she was 17 to study violin. Mm -hmm. And she was pulled out of school. Again, like she's just surrounded by terrible men. Yep. She was pulled out of school in 1905. She was 17, or sorry, 19 mm -hmm. then, when her harmony teacher proposed to her like proposed to marry her and I really try to find out like if it was just like random like or was it this like a like a I mean predator situation or yeah. where, where, where like and so yeah she left uh, rightly so but yeah. also not rightly so like he should have left like that's disgusting yeah. that's why I made it in my notes I was like damn like that sucks that she had to leave because he was being a creep like yeah and apparently he had like some type of like obsession I think with her because in his will he left her his Stradivarius violin yeah <laughs> did she take didn't she take it and sell it I don't I think she did actually yeah, I think she did <laughs> Mark girl yeah good like don't need no Stradivarius violin from a creep no thanks right was it was it a common thing at that time to just propose to young ladies like randomly? Yeah, but like not your student. Like... I mean, Shostakovich had affairs with, again, bringing in this man. Shostakovich <laughs> had affairs with his students, so I don't think it was uncommon, but it seems like it was definitely not like it wasn't at all. to me oh, yes. reading that she like left school because of it, it was something yeah. that was unwanted. Yes, yes definitely. Yeah. And then uh, after that, she enrolled in the Royal College of Music a couple years later to study composition, uh, but she couldn't finish her studies because her father kicked her out of the yeah. family home. 
And she was actually sure. one of the first like female composition students. Too. Yeah. And she studied viola with Lionel Turtis. Lionel Turtis? Okay. <laughs> Isn't he the guy that does like the really weird shaped violas or something? Like the Turtis viola shape? It's yeah, like- yeah. He has his own uh, kind of viola. He's also just kind of like, okay, I don't know much about him. I actually was reading about the guy, the teacher that proposed to Rebecca Clark, and it said that he was colleagues with Lionel Turtis, so that makes me a little, like, uncomfortable. I see. Mm. But Lionel Turtis, aside from that little greasy spot about this weird harmony teacher, I like him. Yeah, Um, for sure. We don't hear, we haven't heard anything about, you know, scandalous from him. No. And he wrote a super cute, like, memoir called My Viola and I. And it's- oh, my God. And I also think, sorry, backtracking a little bit, her composition teacher, Charles Villiers Stanford, was the one that told her to change her focus from violin to viola. Yeah. And that's how she started studying with, with Lionel Turtis. Yeah. We, there, there's always someone to, to get you to the right track, right? Mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah. yeah after she left school she supported herself as a violist everyone knows money's with viola studying well so. but the reason why though she had to support herself by herself was yeah. because her so she was like i guess her dad was a playboy i guess to put it yeah and she oh. criticized his extramarital affairs and because of that, her father turned her out of the house and cut off her funds, which then she was forced to, like, basically support herself. And she did it. She did. She did the thing. She, like, she, so she had to leave the Royal College of Music, and then that's how she started, um, like, performing. And then was, yeah. like, the first female professional orchestral musician. Yeah, and yeah. It, she was admitted to the Queen's Hall Orchestra in 1912, mm-hmm. which I think was formerly an all-man, all-men orchestra. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then she came in. Um, yeah, and then in 1916, she began a residency in the U.S., and she performed a lot in Hawaii and toured the British Isles with the cellist May Buckle, who is what? also a feminist icon yes i'm kind of loving this topic today (laughs) is like highly regarded as a really great cellist one of the best cellists Mm -hmm. in her time period by like everyone pretty much yeah and she it says like on the first sentence of her wikipedia bio that she was a feminist and encouraged other women cellists which i think is amazing i feel like I feel like around this time, like, if we think about it, like, you know how when we were talking about uh, Chichi Nwanoku and how she was told that, like, playing the bass is something that a man does, I feel like the cello at a certain point was also like that. Like, it was a man's instrument. And I feel like they Mukul kind of made it, I mean, not, she. I mean, she just broke boundaries and was like, women can play this too. Like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that. Okay, in the 1919, this is where things get spicy, or at least for the violists. Uh, So in 1919, there were three major viola sonatas er, written. One was Hindemith's viola sonata. This is also Mm -hmm. the year Hindemith decided to be a full-time violist. And 
I didn't know that. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> the other one. This, why would you? It's only the thing a violist would care like about. Viola lore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other was, and these two are very closely related. The block sweet mm. viola and then rebecca clark viola sonata so they both entered into a competition block and clark um put on by clark's neighbor elizabeth sprague coolidge originally. who was again another icon of like female patron to the arts yeah but it was also in here it was in massachusetts yeah it was in the berkshires yeah like how like- not that far yeah it was in berkshires massachusetts um so out of 72 entries rebecca clark sonata was tied for first place with ernest block's suite and only by listening the judges liked rebecca clark's piece better yeah but they picked block just because i mean two reasons number one nobody believed a woman could write that well so they thought rebecca clark must have been a pen name for a male composer and people speculated that it was block himself Yeah, like they were saying like oh like that must have just been him like entering another piece like and it was right him yeah so not rebecca clark yeah which is stupid i think they were stupid right and I think they persuaded Coolidge to pick Block as the winner number two, just because, like, Clark was Coolidge's neighbor, so they thought it would be, like, too personal. But also, like, they didn't know, like, if they had just not known the names and just listened to the music, they would have picked Clark's and she would have won. What an injustice. Yeah. Speaking of the piece, wait, do you have more to say about it or should we listen to it? We we can listen to it. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's just spicy. It's hot. Boiling. I hope I picked... It's just the Sonata for Viola and Piano, right? That's yeah. There hot. aren't, like, many, you know? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. I, like, I was like, oh, I have to include. But then I was thinking she wrote multiple, but this has to just be it, so... I think it's just the one. Stunning. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
mean, that's so good. I've never heard it before. I was having the chills on that ID. Oh. <gasps> oh my god. It's really, like, pleasing to listen to. Mm. I feel like the harmony is super open. Like, the kind of, like, the horn calls. Ba-dum, ba-dum. It's so nice. And also, the violist too. I don't know who is playing. I love. I was actually gonna say it was Dan. Her name is Daniela Conan. Amazing. Yeah, and this entire album that I got it from is all Rebecca Clark. Like works for uh, viola and piano. On Spotify, just a reminder: listen past 30, 30 seconds so that you can give them a, a stream. So that's gonna be our next. Um birch item <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah put that on a bumper sticker or something <laughs> put that on a t-shirt yeah <laughs> so yeah so that should have won i know TBH. it's TBH. like a little frustrating mm -hmm. but i thought also while we're on i actually w was wondering can we take a listen to the block one sure oh. Yes. I have it. We love to compare on this podcast. Yeah, just to hear the difference. Oh my god. We should have done without. Oh my god. You should have been like, one. Which, which one is. But I, I would. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. We should have just done it to you, Habeka, because. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I heard the vlog before. Probably not. It's not as popular at all. Mm -mm. Oh. I don't think so. <laughs> pretend like i'm biased because i am it just doesn't hit the same i think it's more about or oh my goodness rebecca <laughs> i know see it's gonna be a problem <laughs> rebecca clark <laughs> rebecca clark's is just more like pleasing to the ear and i can imagine in 1919 you know like mm. box is more um it's not atonal but it sounds atonal to me yeah there's still like some some I don't know. So it's like more like suspension Z and yeah. You know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Also I agree. The like, vibes. What is I that? Think the vibes for a competition of like Rebecca. It's just there. Uh huh. Well, the other one, I think it would be appropriate maybe for another. another it just episode. Rebecca's hits different. <laughs> I like how Rebecca's giving like um. It's almost like she's reviewing for a job interview. Like, is, you're you're good, but like I think you'd be better in a different position at a different company. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what happens after this? Um writes the sonata. Yeah, 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 yeah. All no, right. I'm trying to remember where I am in my history. Okay, so the year is nineteen twenty-four. Rebecca Clark has <laughs> settled in London. Setting the scene. Yeah. <laughs> she mostly performed there, but as an ensemble musician as and a soloist, I, I, she worked with the BBC as well, which I think is just pretty cute. Oh, that's cool. 
and her compositional output decreased in the 20s through the 30s. Um, something that I found noteworthy is that in 1927, Clark was a founding member of the all-female piano quartet called the English Ensemble, May, our favorite. May Mucle was a part of it, too. Heck yeah. Isn't that so cool? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I also... Okay. So I thought she, you were going to talk about how she, in 1927, she was romantically involved with, like, this British baritone. Oh, but I'm curious about it. What do you know? I don't know a lot, but it's just, he was, like, eight years her junior. He was a British baritone named John Goss, and he would, like, premiere, like, her... um like her her pieces like her i don't know are they vocal i'm sure they they have to be yeah um and the, the, where i was reading it calls like they calls them her mature songs i don't know what that means um but then um it's kind of funny because then she stopped composing vocal music after their relationship ended <laughs> i mean she didn't have like inspiration anymore so yeah yeah but or she took like a break from composing like when it from for vocal music and then she picked it up i think in the 40s or yeah. something so um yeah <laughs> just had to add that i mean we love some scandal all right and then in world war ii she moved back to the u.s living like i think she kind of moved between her brother's homes mm-hmm. um, and she accepted a job as a nanny in yeah but it's because it's so sad because she wasn't able to like get a visa to go back to Britain. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah. And so she was like, she was visiting her brothers and then she actually ended up having to like stay mm. with them. And then she wasn't able to get a visa to go back. And then, so she lived with her like brother's families. And then um, she in her she took like a position as like a governess or nanny for a family in Connecticut. Like so odd. Yeah. But I guess she needed to do something to right. get some money. Yeah. But then things took a turn up when she married James Friskin, a member of the Juilliard piano faculty, who she actually knew at the Royal College of Music. Yes. And I like him because I do too. he it says that um he while a lot of people discouraged her from composing, he actually really encouraged her to do so, but she also suffered from depression and she really struggled to compose I think probably like for so many reasons I mean even with depression like even if there's no reason why I don't want to practice like yeah it's just like continue to do yeah I'll continue to not practice and she talks about like how it has to be the first thing she does in the morning and the the last thing she does and I kind of like get that like unless it's the only thing yeah depression just makes things tough so i kind of understand especially when people are like telling you no no don't do it like don't compose blah 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 wait can i can i butt in real quick i just i'm like i like all the different romantic things for some reason (laughs) they're so interesting to me but i think it's because like it's so different than how relationships are now so Mm -hmm. if like there's some details about like how they like because like i was like how did they reconnect how did james friskin and rebecca clark like meet up after not seeing each other and they literally like ran like a chance meeting like ran into each other on a manhattan street oh isn't that crazy and then they like that was i think in 
1940 something i can't remember and then they got married i think that same year which is crazy oh you know when you know you know and they were like in their late 50s and i just think it's so cute like yeah true love at last you know Mm -hmm. um anyway i'm sorry i just had to no you're good there's not like a ton else she didn't like like I said, she kind of stopped composing. Mm-hmm. Her last big composition was in 53. It was like a vocal piece. Yeah. I think, but... She also... I She also composed um, while she was a... Or um, right before she became a governess, mm-hmm. she composed Passacaglia on an English... Yeah. On an old English tune, yeah. which was in... Oh, I don't know what year it was, but it was like right before 1942, which was when she became a governess. Was, I think it was 39. But should we listen to Passacaglia yeah. on an old English tune? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry to stop there. I was like waiting for a good moment to to stop, but it just kind of keeps cadencing into different keys, and I was like, there probably isn't a good stopping point till the end. So, (laughs) but it's so good. Yeah, that I didn't I didn't know that piece before today. So it was one of the first pieces I learned on viola. Oh my god, really? My teacher was like, "This is a very viola piece." It is a very view. I wouldn't sound right on a violin. No. It just wouldn't It'd be a disservice. <laughs> but um, yeah. Honestly, I kind of think that her marriage to to James Friskin was like a good thing for her. Yeah, I think so. I got the same impression too. Like I think she he was the first male, uh, the first man that actually had a positive. Yeah, in her. Like, if you think about a whole, I just wanted to point out 
you guys are an amazing podcast i was just <laughs> sitting here and just listening to you guys and just learning so much oh my oh, God. i didn't do the research for two days so <laughs> okay. you have so much going on right now yeah. but i was listening and i was like wow yes I think That's sometimes I, just, I think I sometimes like certain people. I mean, it's obviously all the people that we've talked about on the podcast, but make me so excited. Mm, yes. Like, and I just feel like I don't know. Like I've been, she's so great. Like I don't know, yeah. and she's not like, I don't. She's not performed a lot. Like I, I don't know. She's like for Viola. I know, but she has some things for violin too which i never even knew about yeah so i kind of i knew that she was i mean obviously a viola Uh composer like that is her like in a university school of music setting the violas claim rebecca clark and they should because (laughs) they don't have a lot of repertoire compared to the violinists however i did kind of know and i'm not sure from where that she was also like she's very well known like with chamber music like she wrote a lot like so how I played the poem for uh, last week's mini game for string quartet and then I also found um, a it's called Midsummer Moon for violin and piano and I kind of want to play it can I play it yeah yes fine. <laughs> I mean, wow! She's okay. not just a great viola composer, Erin. Yeah, she's also right. pretty great for violin. Really nice. She has, has like sh- like a couple of shorter pieces for violin and piano, and that's one of them. Um, and it was written, I think, in the twenties. So she her, was like in her thirties, I think, probably. Her pieces are so powerful. I. Yeah. It makes me want to meet her. Could you like no. imagine meeting actually meeting her? No. She must be that she must have been that like really strong and powerful woman and like Yeah. yeah. I those, just those people that you would look and see and get inspiration from and motivation from, you know. Totally. 
Well, also, I have another piece. I have so many because I got a little bit obsessed. Um, Along the lines of um, chamber music, she has, I think, kind of an ensemble that is not really done for viola and cello. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And mm, let me see. So she did two pieces for viola and cello and one is the first one is lullaby and the second one is grotesque (laughs) and maybe i'll just play like a little bit of each one I'd say that's pretty effective because um i wanted to go to sleep right then <laughs> yeah it's gorgeous that's so uh, beautiful and i i don't think i know that many pieces for viola and cello i don't either also they were using their mutes right so oh i didn't realize i feel like i feel like they were it was kind of a covered sound yeah like mutes can only do i guess they've written it for her in uh may I was thinking the same I thing. Guess. I would love to look into like when I didn't look for when she wrote this piece. Me... You want to hear a little bit of grotesque? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm intrigued. <laughs> but I see what maybe then it was a little grotesque and it sounds so good like I love it it's on a program from a recital that she did with May 
Thank God, honestly. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I have two more things to share. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I have a piano trio um, that I'd like to share, if that is okay with you guys. Yeah. It is gorgeous. <laughs> so intense so good this i know she wrote in 1921 so i feel like that's around like arnold schoenberg time when he's like trying to promote atonality but she was probably like no thanks (laughs) there's still kind of some like atonality in there for sure Mm -hmm. um but yeah okay and then the last thing i know we all love some piano solos on this podcast we're very pro (laughs) piano solo so i have cortege for piano solo
it's so good. I feel like it's very meditative. Very. I was like just sitting here and melting. I always say that, but it just just describes how I feel. It's. I feel like it's um. Yeah, I feel meditative or or like I don't know, kind of like prayer like as well for some reason. I find it very like. Yeah, prayer like. Mm-hmm. And this she wrote in 1930. So, yeah, it's like all of her stuff that like I feel like you were saying, Erin, she didn't like got more sporadic towards the end of her life, her, her yeah. compositional output. So, but yeah, she passed away at the age of 93. Wow. Long life. She had a really long life Um, in New York, I think. Yeah. And then also I wanted to mention she, before obviously she passed away, in 1973, she completed um, her memoir mm-hmm. entitled I Had a Father Too or the Mustard Spoon. I don't know what that's about. If that's a reference to something that is not for our generation, someone from the generation that understands that, please let us know. I tried to look that up and I, I don't know if that's like a... Like a like you know like a silver spoon. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if that's related. Oh, I I just looked up the mustard spoon and I yeah I came up with nothing. Like... It's just like these little tiny mustard spoons. But I don't know. Oh. Like I don't I don't know. I had a father too, or the mustard spoon. Yeah, I like sat a... for a good five minutes being like, what's the meaning? Is it like a, you, you know, doesn't Hermione say something like emotional span of a teaspoon? Yeah, the emotional wage of a teaspoon. Is this like a ref? This can't be a Harry Potter ref. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine J.K. Rowling took that from <laughs> Rebecca Clark? I highly doubt it. But um, I don't know. I just know back then they had spoons for everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some significance with a mustard spoon in society. I don't know. Someone please let us know because I'm very curious what that means. And it's like in parentheses too. It's like I had a father too, parentheses, or the mustard spoon. Anyway, um, it was completed, but it was never published. So I guess we'll never know. And that was the next step, looking up the book. Yeah, I know. That's what I tried to do, but it's (laughs) never published. But apparently somehow someone knows like what she talked about in it. Um, She describes her early life and talks about, unfortunately, the frequent beatings that she had at the hands of her father and the strained family relations, which affected her um, like outlook on her place in life like that and I think maybe that was maybe the root I mean I'm not gonna say what it was but um because it's like well known that she suffered from chronic depression so um but yeah powerful woman what do you guys think you could learn from her I don't know. I kind of, um, the things that I get from her music a lot and also from reading about her is the amount of strength that she had in her life. Um, obviously knowing how she grew up with, you know, having beatings from her dad, her dad kind of ruining her education 
and then still being able to to make a career and to not let that be a roadblock in her success in life um i find that really admirable so that is my big tech takeaway from rebecca clark i think for me it's a little different just because I found it interesting her because she's at least for Violas like super mm-hmm. prominent in our repertoire, but she yeah. also didn't compose like a whole lot. There were a mm-hmm. lot of periods where she just didn't, and I guess I don't know if that's because of her depression or what. But I also I have like the same we have the same diagnosis of depression, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, that's really interesting because I kind of like get it. I kind of get what she's going through, but I feel like she ended up... Relate to her, like, personally. But I feel like she ended up, um, finding happiness? I don't know, I think for today it's a little bit different, the stresses of music, Mm because for her it was... They're totally different, like, stresses, but I feel like she found a way to kind of deal with it, and she was happy either way. You yeah. know, she just yeah. did what she wanted to do, not necessarily what people were telling her to do. And I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I like that perspective. Yeah. I wonder how much of her compositions were actually making part of her financial uh, support. So I wonder if maybe she didn't compose so much later on in her life because Ooh. she had to spend more time supporting herself in other ways i uh, i actually didn't find anything that's a really good question actually because because like why if she was because she was composing before she became a governess so i'm wondering if she really wasn't making that much money from her from her music yeah but also i guess when we're thinking about like the war because that's the reason i feel like she because that she was stuck in the u.s couldn't get back and get a visa back so I'm sure like and I feel like we hear a lot about this with composers during that like interwar generation thing that like they're all struggling with right um so maybe that has to that has a play in it as well not just so much her success as a composer but just like current events of the world yeah hmm Mm, I'm gonna have to look into that I'm curious now but yeah that's our our take on Rebecca Clark. I almost said Rebecca, but I caught myself. <laughs> um, so we are recording this on April Fool's Day, uh-huh. April 1st. And April is a big month for us, right? So I was thinking <laughs> for the second half of the pod today to talk about how our recitals are coming up. Yeah. And how our preparation has been going or been not going or (laughs) (laughs) what how how's it going you guys (laughs) I guess a recital check-in talk about maybe what we do I don't know if I really do anything different no normally I freak out more (laughs) I I was going to ask if you guys have an actual plan or something that you would like uh mm, almost like a ritual for preparations for recital or for the day of the recital 
if there is something that like you have to do oh okay like a ritual I don't know if I have a ritual but I do have like this weird like thing of I don't like to play a lot the day of like I even for warming up like I don't like to warm up a lot I don't want I don't even want to run through my whole program nothing none of that maybe like a couple of spots make sure I'm in tune before I go on stage in tune that's about it I never want to do anything. I completely agree. And nothing that has any, like, scales. I'll play scales. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, a scale. Yeah, fine. But Anything with brain power? No. 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 Impossible. Or, like, usually it's my pianist who's like, do you want to, like, do this movement or do this transition or do this thing? And I'm like, no. No, no. No, I don't want to do anything. Yeah, I'm very much the same way. I I mean, maybe, no. No, that's a lie. I was about to say, maybe I would, like, play like like a cup like for like five seconds or something but no not even that (laughs) I also have this weird thing about I don't like to eat beforehand either I yeah I don't I don't like to eat before recitals or any performance actually what do you mean like like it's like a what do you mean like let's your recital is gonna be at oh yeah yeah, I'll like eat in the morning for sure cut off I don't know like after like it depends on how nervous I am I feel like on my recital day I'll probably have breakfast and then maybe a snack in the afternoon and then but the thing is though when you think about it I don't know this doesn't make any sense but like to have like a a nice meal after is so worth it for me like it's so I don't know what it is but I also like have this weird like fear that like if I get so nervous and I like ate a meal beforehand I would barf on stage Mm -hmm. (sighs) because when I get nervous I feel it in my stomach like I don't like yeah so I it's a really uncomfortable feeling for me that I just don't do it I just don't eat before any even like an orchestra concert I'll I won't eat beforehand Mm, I like go the opposite way I are you one of those people and it's fine that you are but are you one of those people that like like will eat a banana because it like has oh you are yes (laughs) because they believe that like potassium and like it helps nerves that's not why i started it though it was like well in my undergrad my violin professor loved banana so it was just a thing anyway but my viola professor molly is like super health like health central she's the healthiest person i've ever met in my entire life oh my god probably that i ever will meet in my entire life but she would have a banana wow i i heard that bananas are good for crab no that's not the word oh i don't cramps yeah yeah i don't know i just know that there's like this like but not like pseudo belief or something that like it will help nerves but like in reality the amount of potassium that you would need to have is to help with your nerves is not in a banana you need to eat like 10 bananas or something crazy like that why not i mean yeah why not just start like throwing a back backstage all these bananas that'd be so funny (laughs) um i will have water yeah well that's good <laughs> I will actually that's a thing I when I do you ever this is so funny um like in a recital because like you're playing for so long like you're not open you're not breathing with your mouth you're breathing with your nose so your my throat gets really dry 
So then I like want to cough and it's, it's happened to me before where I've had to cough while I was playing Oh my gosh! Just, because wow. yeah. And I don't, cause you get, when I get nervous, my mouth goes dry and I like, I'm like, where is my saliva non-existent? Like I need to like, you know, like my mouth is just like a desert. Um, and so then like, if you just like take a breath, like a certain way and then it gets stuck in your throat and, and it's awful anyway. Um, yes. I had the same experience and it's really bad. Um, yeah. I feel that when it's a really hard passage, I just realized after the hard passage that I haven't been. Yes. Like, d- yeah. Like swallowing or swallowing like for a long time. And then it's just like dry. Yes. And then when you, then I like tell like, think to myself as I'm playing I'm like don't swallow because you're gonna have to cough afterwards so then after I'm done with a piece I like literally go backstage especially specifically for recitals um where I literally just like have a bunch of water to get the moisture back in my mouth wow I feel that I I am pretty similar to you Victoria I don't like to eat a lot before the recitals yeah just because I get really nervous and I I just feel it there. First, I don't really feel hungry. I remember... That's another thing. Yeah, I'm like not hungry. Like the last thing I want to do is eat. (laughs) Yeah, I like... And usually I have so many things to do beforehand. I always try to like get everything ready before. But there's always like something that forgot or didn't work or... You have to do it again and uh, technology or anything. And then I always spend some time doing that before actually playing. And then I don't, I don't get time to eat, but not because I didn't want, not not because I didn't want to, I actually didn't want to eat a lot. Yeah. But I also don't like to play a lot. I think that's something that you all have in common, right? I don't like to play a lot. I, I for some reason it feels like I'm gonna psych myself out or yeah, I feel make that my I'm, nerves worse than they already are. I feel that I'm gonna waste all my energy, and just because I usually spend a lot of energy, and then it gets really hard to play. I try to just save my energy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there was one recital, it was really funny. It was in my undergrad. I was so nervous and I could feel the adrenaline, adrenaline Mm -hmm. going like all over my body. And I was like, I won't be able to play. I am too, I'm too like too much energy. So I actually ran for like five minutes around the block and then I came and I was like, feeling a lot better i could never do that (laughs) i'd be sweating i'd be so uncomfortable (laughs) it was really funny it was a nice experience i don't know about you guys but i am the worst kind like i have never been this nervous for a performance before yeah yeah this one like my recital kind of but i think it's because there's been a huge absence of performing for like a year like I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I'm nervous. No, you don't. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because it's something that we were used and then we just didn't have for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think honestly, I'm not, I'm like, I'm nervous. Like the normal nervous that you get. It's like the excited nervous because you care so much and like you want to do well. But I'm also the nervous where I'm afraid that my nervous, like my nerves are going to get like be more nervous to do you know what I mean like oh yes when I'm playing 
like that your nervousness is gonna be in the way of your plan yeah kind of like not that. gonna help and i don't know if i've yeah. ever i don't think i've ever experienced that before i don't know it actually always happens to me and it's really frustrating because i always end up playing a lot worse than i practice yeah same. and i just feel it's really frustrating mm -hmm. because half of the things that i wanted to do i didn't i was not able because i was just so nervous that i got yeah. so tensed and my bow fell on my hand because i couldn't even hold it i find my like when i get that way when i have those kind of nerves that my my hand shakes my bow hand specifically mm -hmm. like will literally like shake as i'm playing and then i feel like it's coming out in my sound because i can kind of hear it but then everyone afterwards is always like no it sounded fine like i didn't hear you shaking and i was like i was shaking. like <laughs> so but it's always like this too right we always feel something a lot stronger than everybody that's else. very true yeah well can't wait till it's over <laughs> Wait, what what day is yours again, Victoria? It's Tuesday the 13th. Okay, great. And yours is Sunday, Sunday the, 11th. the 11th. And Habeka's is Tuesday the 27th. Yeah. It's all in my I'm head. Habeka's, yours is going to be so good. It's like, it's going to be warm. <laughs> oh, don't say that it's going to be. Like warm outside? Yeah, it's going to be warm outside oh. and it'll be like a week before classes end. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. And I get to play on Habeka. Yeah. And she gets to play on mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hopefully the department is not going to be closed because of some case. God, yeah. Like last semester. One can hope. I just remember. <laughs> last semester, the recital that I had with Kristen. Oh, yeah. It was like almost canceled. Was Correct. on the very last day of classes. And like the day before we had a positive day on the department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Knock on wood, you guys. I just knocked on some wood. <laughs> For all the hard work we've done, I don't want it to be canceled now. Oh, yes. But I think we'll be okay. Well, Habakkuk and I get to share each other on our recitals. Yes, that's going to be really fun. I think. Yeah. I feel like I'll have like a good support system because there's going to be no audience. Mm. Yeah. Like, Habakkuk can calm me down and be like, it was good. <laughs> I was thinking about having some candles there, actually. <gasps> Aromatherapy? Are we allowed? Is that I don't think happens? so. <laughs> Fire. But you could. What you could do is get battery powered candles for the atmosphere. Or. or I'm sorry. You could get like the wax melts. That's yeah. just a light bulb. That's not a fire. Uh -huh. But like, that's allowed. But I want candles. Yeah, I don't oh. think we're allowed. Oh, no. Give me a second. Oh. <laughs> Take it in, process it. Your okay. vision is gone. <laughs> oh, I, was, I had everything ready in my head the candles, the, the plants. Oh, and plants for sure. From the Did you imagine having like, plants on <laughs> honestly that's kind of a cute image yeah like why not nobody's yeah. gonna be there to like them. do you guys remember the percussion professor recital from mm. um, i think it was spring 2020 it was mm. so good and she had so many uh, different instruments on the stage that it actually created like different moods I thought it was so cool. It was like not just a recital. It was like a whole experience. You should just have like different violins for each piece. 
Oh no. <laughs> have them like have them best. laid out at different points of the stage and walk over to each one for that piece. Recital is sponsored by Stamble Strings. <laughs> oh, <can> imagine. With <laughs> so the candles. Oh. There's a giveaway at the end. Just get like votive candles. Get your like the mini battery ones. I will get yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. That That's way you can cute. have them. Can you imagine though, like if you had real candles and then the like fire alarm went off? I know. <laughs> I would just pretend it's part of the piece. <laughs> have you seen sorry, is that just reminded me, have you seen the video of like the string quartet that was performing and the tornado siren starts going off and they kept oh. playing? Oh, that happened. Lionel Turtis actually in his book talks about he was performing during like the bombings of England during World Mm. War II. Oh my God. Everything happened. There was like, they could hear the bomb sirens and the building was rattling and he was like, well, may as well just keep going. (laughs) I could never. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They survived, obviously. Oh yeah. But could you imagine though, like if you're already there, what else would you do? Might might as well just keep playing. I don't know. I probably would have froze. I would have been like, "Do I, do I keep going? Do I?" It's like in your lesson when like you think your teacher is wanting you to stop, but then you like go softer and play split, and you like start to like stop, and then she's like, "No, keep going," and you're like, "Oh, okay," and you like, yeah. (laughs) But it would be especially on Zoom, way more extreme than that. (laughs) On a different level, yeah, on like a completely different level. If there's like bombs going off. Oh my god. I was not expecting for this example. Yeah, oops. <laughs> but that's so true for Zoom lessons. It's always like this. You're like looking at your music and then you see something in the corner of your eye and it's just like it's nothing. It's yeah. just like keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I kind of like those moments though. They're kind of funny. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. Well, Rebecca. Hello. What's okay. the Portuguese word of the day? Wow. So I, I'm not sure if we already had this, uh, this here, this word here, but I uh, will say it again. It's motivação. Motivação. It's motivação. 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 Um, it sounds like improvis. No, improvisação. No, what is yes. that? Yes. Okay. It sounds like that. So motivação, motivação is like um, triple sixteen pickup to the song. Motivação. Motivação. Yes. Okay. Got it. What What does it? Wait. Can I guess what it means? Okay. Mm. motivation yes oh wow really similar right thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is kind of similar motiva but motiva song motiva song triplet i see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really does help it Mm. really does i mean it's a language that we already speak that was a really cute like little comparison oh it's already a language that we speak music that was cute (laughs) okay well it just happens sometimes 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, our favorite question of the pod. How was your tuning this week, you guys? Intonation and mental and everything else. I want to know about your intonation. Okay, mom. My <laughs> I kind of do. I'm sorry. I'm oh, I'm kind of curious. It's kind of funny. <laughs> no, I don't. I just I don't know. I am curious. <laughs> I can mm. go first. I guess. Sure. Um, like always, my intonation is sharp. Um, Rebecca can attest to this. <laughs> From I mean, I think both of our. I mean. It's constant, like, if we get a comment in our Moskowski rehearsal, it's, oh, you're too sharp, or you're too sharp, or oh, it's a little sharp. Um, <laughs> we have variations of sharpness. We just have a bright ear. And honestly, though, when you think about it, we're in tune with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we're both playing sharp. So, like, what's the problem? What's the problem here? I don't, like, it's just <laughs> right. Um, but I had, like, a good lesson um on tuesday and i got a compliment on my intonation Ooh, wow when has that ever happened you guys the first Um, that's i think the first time where i was told your intonation was good and i was like because i i mean i haven't really been doing anything differently so um but yeah that happened so that was good um my week besides that i'm stressed i'm stressed and i'm nervous uh and I'm not freaking out yet, but I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And I'm, I feel, I'm, I'm getting the, the jittery nerves a little bit. Mm. Um, and because of that, my confidence, I think is lacking a little bit. I'm second guessing and hesitating. And like when I'm practicing, like, or when I'm not practicing, but performing, like when I'm per- like in the performing mindset and I second guess myself on like a really big shift or something and it just completely doesn't work um so yeah that's something I'm struggling with right now in preparation for my recital um and I can't really practice today or at the be- like the first half of tomorrow uh because my bow is being worked on which is fine I need the mental break anyway I need to yeah. regroup on Friday night or Saturday and it'll be fine um so yeah that's my that's my that's my uh my take and I'm gonna give it a 6.5 out of 10 fair a nice d plus d plus (laughs) (laughs) I like the d plus yes (laughs) um my intonation was just kind of like bad <clears throat> I don't know, sharp, flat, whichever. Wow. Medium bad. I didn't get any comments in my lesson, but I know. I'm aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and just like playing with piano again. Like it's so obvious when one is out of tune, that yeah. person being me. Um, so I'm just going to work on that, specifically in like the third movement of Shostakovich, because it's like most of that stuff is too easy to like want to work on that you, you know because it it's just music you just gotta be in the moment and feel it once you've learned it but it's like so slow like there's nothing fast to like you know yeah. click up or whatever random practice so i just gotta mm-hmm. check in on intonation there um otherwise 
everything has been fine? Question mark. <laughs> I think it's been okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I feel like things have gone quick since last week. Right? But slow during the day? Yeah. Oh, I'm finding the individual days. I don't know. I'm in between. Some days feel fast, some days slow. Oh. I get to work at Stamil more, which I find really, like, fun and... Like, it's rewarding, too, because I get to do something that I, like, I don't have to practice to work at Stammel, but I just get to go and, like, yeah, do stuff with instruments, which I think is, like, where I'm at at this point. Like, this is what I, that's, yes, that's what I want to do for now. Like, I'm not cool. in practice and, like, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, love that. For the next week and a half, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll give it. I'm gonna do a 7.5. Nice. Yeah. Nice. A nice C plus. Yeah, exactly. I love that we are on the point fives. <laughs> <laughs> well, my intonations, I don't quite remember. I was definitely <laughs> sharp at some point, and I remember I was very out of tune at some points too. Same. Yeah. I'm not. I w I can say that I was not very happy with my intonation this week. Mm. I have been better, mm. mm -hmm. but it means there is always room to improve. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, would it be fun if I was always perfect? Of course not. No. I should have a little fun. <laughs> um. And well, today's been a really crazy day. Yeah, I just got this opportunity to apply to a job and I have been running after the application like since yesterday. Oh, it's going to be like 24 hours now. And I didn't have much sleep. Mm. I'm a little bit tired. Mm. And my body kind of hurts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sure. But I am really excited because... Mm, if I get it or not, I, I can tell for sure that I gave my best. And this yeah. is really rewarding. Mm -hmm. I also think it'll be good. Like, you'll have those recordings now, too. What you've recorded. I don't know, actually. <laughs> uh, your recording sounded good. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have so many wrong notes. I mean, okay, like a little bit of out of tune or maybe the phrasing not good. But wrong notes is like... You're pushing too much, darling. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> no, I don't because I, I, I was, I haven't been playing this Bach for a while. I mean, I was practicing the hard passages, so the easy passages. I was like, what chord is this? <laughs> and the thing with this chacon is that it lasts like 15 minutes. It's so, so tiring. Yeah. It is not something that I. Oh yeah, let me just review it real quick. Yeah. So. I, I think I recorded the whole thing four times today. So it is a really nice practice, guys. I think after some <laughs> some time, you don't even feel that it's that long. It's only 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Stop it. It's, it's <laughs> a YouTube video that I watched before. That's an hour. That's actually long. very true. When you like think about it, like that's a YouTube video, like where you're just sitting around. Mm. But also, the thing is that like during those 15 minutes in the Shakan, we're literally working out right yeah it's cardio and it's also like the shikon's like uh 
look it's like a heavy i don't know for me it's like even the shostakovich it's not that hard but like you run through so many emotions with a piece like that the shakon is so hard yeah and and it's like hard and i feel that that this kind of pieces they are emotionally um exhausting but also physically so yeah Yeah. like by the end for of each recording i did i was like Oh. okay let me take a break and just yeah. like breathe and my body was like yeah yeah so but it's been a really nice experience and i highly recommend to anyone that is like hmm once you have this experience actually just for the sake of the experience because it's yeah yeah well i think i will give it Actually, I am too tired to think of a number right now. Oh. <laughs> I'll just leave it like this. A tired out of 10. PDD. It's to be determined. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, you guys were almost done with, with, with school. We're almost at the end. We have like five weeks left. So yeah. we can do it. Yes. The, end. the light at the end of the tunnel is becoming a little bit brighter. So. Really? Yeah. Also, once our recitals are done, I feel like it's going to be like... Yeah, it's just like a project in our history class and that's it. Yeah, like <laughs> literally that's it. Thank God. Well, anyway. I guess this brings us to the end of number 26. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Out of Tune Pod, on Facebook at Out of Tune Podcast. Our episodes go live uh, every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this has been Out of Tune on Zoom. Zoom. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.